as Emmanuel, God with us. And Paul has this to say in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him. The early church fathers recognized that Jesus' divinity was the cornerstone of the entire gospel, and so they held it so important that they came up with a creed, and we know this today as the Nicene Creed. And in this creed, they equated Jesus' divine being with light. The first part of the creed says this, We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of all things, visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begotten of the Father, the only begotten, that is, of the essence of the Father, God of God, light of light, very God of very God. See, Jesus is not a light, friends, as many people in our culture wish to think of him today. He declared that He is the light of the world. And light comes from God who is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. This is so countercultural in our world today because just about every other religion teaches us that there are many paths to God. And they also see Jesus as a great moral teacher, but nothing more than that. There is a novel that has been turned into a big-budget Hollywood film today called The Life of Pi. And we're introduced in that film to an Indian boy by the name of Pai. Now, Pai, he wants to believe in God, but he considers himself Hindu, Muslim, and Christian at the same time. And there's a scene where he is pressured by a Hindu priest, a Catholic priest, and the Imam. What do you really believe in? in which, at which point he blurts out, all religions are true. I just want to love God. What would Jesus friends say to Pai. I think that Jesus would love the one who is searching for God. But then he would also then tell him that he must choose lest he believes in a God, small g, of his own making. Because you see, if Jesus is the light of the world, then he is God. And if he is God, then he must be worshipped on his own terms, not ours. And that is why in Jesus' words to the Pharisees, he said, if you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. You know, a funny thing is happening in the Greek. The word he is actually not present. So Jesus was saying that we have to believe that he is I am, that he is God, or we will die in our sins. Jesus was not some great moral teacher. And I'm grateful to Pastor Greg for bringing us the passage that C.S. Lewis uh, has in Mere Christianity, which tells us that it's really foolish that for people to say that they're ready to accept Jesus as a moral teacher but not accept his claim to be God. Because either he was a lunatic on the level of a man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell, but either he was the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You see, we have to make a choice, friends. And so... I believe that we can learn three things from this passage that we are considering this weekend. The first, uh, I've actually already fleshed out. Jesus is the light of the world. 
And he is God through and through. There never was a time when Jesus was not God and he was there at the beginning. A God of light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. He is light of light. Very God of very God. But so if Jesus is the light, then what does that mean for us? And this is my second point, which is that we have actually seen the light. Because it means that if we accept him into our lives, if we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life, which is what he said. Because when we face darkness, it doesn't mean that we are walking in darkness. It means that when darkness comes into our lives, we can shine a light, the light of his presence into the situation. And friends, when we have Jesus, we can sing. We can sing to the Lord of our salvation songs like this. You are my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And that comes from Psalm 27. Or songs like Psalm 118, which says, When hard-pressed, I cried out to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And so, friends, when we have Jesus Christ as the light of our lives, we have hope. And we can lean on that light. And another thing that it means now, though, is that we have seen the light, is that we also have a choice. And we can either be like the Pharisees and dispute who Jesus is, or we can believe in him and accept him as Lord over our lives. Jesus says so much in the passage. In verse 24, it says that if you do not believe that I am, you will indeed die in your sins. But this is so important that he says it again moments later. He says in verse 28, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. There is that I am statement again. The He is not actually present. Jesus is saying that when He is lifted up on the cross, we will know that He is God. And we know this, friends, because only God, crucified on a cross, in the most horrible and humiliating way, subjected to such suffering and shame, could turn around and forgive those who crucified him. Friends, it is precisely because of the cross that we know Jesus is God. And remember John 3.16, which is the invitation to us, and which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. So friends, Jesus died to take the punishment for our sin. He carried our sin so we could gain His righteousness. He took our hatred and gave us His love. He took our wounds to offer His healing. And in exchange for our shame, He gave us His glory. But if you want to inherit the blessings of God's kingdom, you have to accept the free gift of His Son into your life. There's no other way around it. John 3.19 says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. But everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So friends, if you love the light, 
you have to walk in it. When you allow the light of Christ to shine into your life, that light is going to expose things that may have been hidden there for a very long time. Maybe you didn't know that that was there. Or maybe you hid it there, hoping nobody would find it. But Jesus, God's light, exposes everything. And you are confronted with the question, now that I know that is there, what am I going to do about it? Friends, 1 John 1.6 tells us that if we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Now this means that even though we may profess we are walking with God, it is possible that our lives should be quite different. The Bible tells us that that is equivalent to living a lie. I was thinking about an example for this, and I remember uh, this movie that I really enjoy watching, and it's called Galaxy Quest. Have you heard of that? It stars Tim Allen, uh, Alan Rickman, and Sigourney Weaver. And they play actors who play the role of a crew on a science fiction TV show. It's a television show that has long since been canceled. But members of an alien race arrive, believing that the show is actually real, and they ask for their help. Hilarity ensues when the cast of the show are actually teleported onto a real starship that the alien race has actually built for them to save them. And the cast have to decide whether or not to play along or to confess that they're actually only actors. Friends, this statement helped me a lot. We need to stop acting like a Christian and start being one. Have we learned all the lines and followed all the directions so well that we are just acting apart, but our lives have not been transformed by the Spirit of God and by His light. See, that's what it means to have God's light coming into our lives. But God's encouragement, though, is that if we are doing our best to recognize and confess our sin to God and walk softly before Him, then we have no fear. You see, His precious blood then purifies us from all sin. And it's been mentioned from this pulpit many times, friends, uh, that one way for this to happen in the lives of believers here at Lake Avenue Church is to get plugged into a small group or a class or some smaller group of believers because they can help you to stay accountable to God's work and word in your life. They can pray with you and encourage you when life gets you down, when the darkness comes in. They can help you sing those songs of rejoicing and help lift your hands when you feel like you cannot. If that's you and you're looking for a community, join us under the Connect banner after the service because there are going to be people who want that same thing for you and they can help you to find that community here at Lake. We all need to grow and that is just one wonderful way in which we have all seen growth happen in the lives of our believers. But so apart from these things, there's also something else amazing that happens when we allow God's light to come into our lives. You know what happens? We too become the light of the world. See, Jesus not only said that He is the light of the world, He said that we are the light as well. And in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says this, A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify 
your Father in heaven. Now, you may be asking, wait, wait, Jesus said that he was the light. How is it that we can be the light as well? Well, I believe that Jesus is saying that just as he is in the light, or rather that he is the light, that we are lights in this dark world. We get to participate in what God is doing. Just as we have received light into our hearts and lives, we can shine for him as carriers of that light, as carriers of his presence, just like the Levites did of old. So I don't know where you've been planted. But in the place where you are, I encourage you to shine for Christ. There are people that you will meet, places that you will go, that no pastor here on staff will be able to meet or go. That is why we must all share the responsibility of shining Christ's light into dark places all over the world. Christine Kane is, um, is a pastor, and her husband, together with her, are founders of the A21 campaign, which is an anti-human trafficking organization with the goal of abolishing slavery in the 21st century. I'm sure that all of you would recognize and understand that slavery is still a blight on humanity and is indeed a form of darkness in our world. Needless to say, this is a woman with real passion and faith, considering that every 30 seconds, someone becomes a victim of human trafficking. And 1% of all of them who go in ever make it out. She told a story of how she took her young daughter uh, to Walmart. And uh, typical of, of young kids, she was... Um, she was, she was very much afraid of the dark, and she became quite obsessed with flashlights. And so at Walmart, they decided to buy a flashlight. Now, as they were standing in the checkout stand, she noticed that her daughter was looking down at the flashlight and turning it on, turning it off, turning it on, and turning it off. And then looking to see whether there was the, she could see the light that was on any of the walls or the, or the uh, cashier or, or anything. And, and you know what Walmart is like. You know, it has stadium fluorescent lighting. So they could basically, you can't hide anything in Walmart. They could bas- she could basically not see anything. And she became increasingly more and more frustrated. At that point, she turned around to her mom, holding the flashlight in her hand, shook her and said, Mom, quick, we need to go find some darkness. Friends, do we have that same attitude? Because I think that's the kind of attitude that Jesus wants of us. When we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, we no longer exist for ourselves. We exist to shine for Him. We should be going out into the world and looking for darkness because darkness in the darkness is where light shines the brightest. And you and I, we were made to shine. See, we are all sent ones. Friends, and we have a responsibility to be salt and light to someone who is still in darkness. So let me challenge you. What are you doing right now to spread the light of the gospel that someone else shared with you not so long ago so that you could know eternal life? Because just as John the Baptist was a forerunner of Christ's first coming, the church, you and I, are forerunners of his second coming. So... When Jesus is ever asked again, who are you and who are your witnesses? He can smile and point to you and to me. In conclusion, friends, I'd like to show you a picture. 
It might not seem like a great picture when you first see it, but it's a picture taken from space, from a spacecraft known as Voyager 1. It was taken in 1990 from a distance of 3.7 billion miles from Earth. Voyager 1 was a space probe launched by NASA in 1977 to study the solar system. And the spacecraft had completed its mission and was about to leave the solar system when Carl Sagan commanded it to turn its camera around and take a photograph of Earth just one last time. So seen from 3.7 billion miles away, our planet is a tiny pale blue dot on the right of the picture, 0.12 pixels in size, approximately halfway down the brown band to the right, set against the darkness of space. It's so small, you probably can't see it, so I found another picture that is a close-up of what scientists have now called the pale blue dot, which is our planet. When Carl Sagan saw this picture, he wrote this in his book. Consider again that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you ever heard of, every human being that there ever was, lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every saint and sinner in the history of our species ever lived there on a moat of dust. The earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. And then he goes on to say, our posturings, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe are challenged by this pale point of light. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. Friends, do you agree with him? I would urge you to respectfully disagree with Dr. Sagan. Because in all honesty, when I first saw this picture, yes, I saw this cosmic darkness that he was talking about. Yes, I got the feeling that the earth is unimaginably small in comparison with the universe. But what I saw first was not any of these things. It was that ray of light. Where was it coming from? Because as you can see in the photo, according to the scientific community, coincidentally and just by blind chance, just as the spacecraft snapped the photo, an apparently accidental reflection of the spacecraft caused that tiny dot to be caught in a ray of light from the sun, a sunbeam. And it just so happens that the earth is right smack in the middle of a ray of light. Isn't it interesting that that all happened just at the right time. Friends, just like looking at a photo, when you are looking at a situation in your life, what do you see? Do you see the darkness of hopelessness and the cloud of loneliness telling you that there will be no one coming to see, save you? Or do you see a ray of light, a beam of hope coming through the darkness, telling you to have faith because you are a child of God? And he will never leave you nor forsake you. If you believe in a God who has created everything, then believe also in a God for whom nothing happens that is beyond his control. 
Yes, he is unimaginably big. And yes, there's great darkness in the world. But he has not left us alone to save ourselves. He has sent us the light of the world, the one and only Messiah, the Son of God. And we do have a privileged place in this universe because his son told us that we have a privileged place in his heart. Now, in light of what he has done, let us shine like lights in the darkness. So to him who is able to keep you from falling, to whom all things are possible, be glory and honor and praise forever and ever as we shine for him. In Christ's name, amen. Pastor Greg. Walter, we're so thankful for this clear, 